Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Chatting Tonight. Fasten your seatbelts and get your bingo card ready, because this is going to be a wild-ass ride. I'd like to introduce you to the most miserable piece of shit you could ever have the misfortune to meet. Because, you see, if I had to suffer through this motherfucker, so do you. Welcome to My Name is Earl. Now, before we dive into this cesspool, let us put our hazmat suit on and give this episode a proper trigger warning. I'd like to give you all a list of my trigger warnings. What's a trigger warning? Actually, bruh, asking me what a trigger warning is is one of my triggers, bruh. I feel traumatized, bruh. And now I'm tweeting about you, bruh. And now you're trending, bruh. And now your life is ruined, bruh. And now you're fired, bruh. In legalese, that's known as due diligence. So proceed with caution and enter at your own risk because some of the things you hear may actually be triggering, even though I hate when people say that shit. Now, I happened upon Earl quite by accident as I was watching a certain YouTube channel's clips discussing the whole Eliza Blue inanity. And you guys know me. Normally, I don't name names due to my unending unpopularity, but I do have to make an exception in this case because these gentlemen discovered Earl and are privy to a number of the videos that us as mere mortals would never be privy to. So without further ado, a big shout out and thank you to the gang over at ROTC. ROTC, Revenge of the Sis. Manly, yes, but I like it too. Specifically, Royce and Mersh for the introduction to Earl, aka Earlp, aka Cypher, aka Cade, aka the never ending saga of Dayton Hypernova. And as we all know, all normal, sane human beings have at least five different names that they go by. So I want to start out by giving you guys some Dayton Hypernova facts, but, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but because context is so important, puke, I am providing you all with the links to the ROTC clips, as well as the full episodes of Dayton Hypernova and Dayton's own YouTube channel. And Ideally, what you should do is pause this shit, go watch all that shit, and then come back so we can discuss this in earnest. However, and I say this as a member of the helping profession, I can understand why you would not want to watch this because he is seriously one of the most miserable fucking human beings on the planet And I mean that so fucking sincerely. I can't reiterate it enough. And as a matter of fact, some of the clips that that I'm going to play, you'll see that this is a widely held belief that he seriously fucking sucks. But here are some Dayton Hypernova facts in case you don't want to watch him. Um... He normally films himself in the mirror, and that's fairly obvious why. He uses constant repetition, 
most of which you will find on the provided bingo card. Thank you, ROTC, and I hope you have printed that out for this episode. And as we all know, repetition is a favorite tactic of narcs. Here are some of Dayton's favorite words. Racist, homophobic, transphobic, right-wing, misogynist, narc, mania, gaslighting, who beats me in this house. Also, uh, conservative, uh, Christian, uh, zealot is a good one, too. Uh, Dayton is also an artist. He's a video artist, a mannequin artist, and a tinfoil artist. He's also the potential owner of a free boutique. Dayton also takes no responsibility, no accountability. He is always the victim, and he's a thief. Dayton also employs blackmail tactics. He uses degrading and threatening language, as well as provocative statements to try and provoke a reaction. He's also irrationally fixated on Christina Ricci. Now, I put Dayton under the MPD, you know, narcissistic personality disorder umbrella, but I also think he has histrionic personality disorder, paranoid personality disorder, borderline. He shows intermittent explosive disorder, um, as well as a couple other things, but, you know, we will, you know, discover it as we go along. You are welcome to employ my scientific method, which was to watch the ROTC clips, then the full episodes of Revenge of the Sis, then I watched Dayton's YouTube channel, then I went to Kiwi Farms, but just come back to that instead of going to Kiwi Farms, because I talk about it. I go there so you don't have to. I also got myself a little dossier on Earl, uh, just to uh, fact check, so to speak. I took a gross amount of notes, and then I repeated step one of watching the ROTC clips for clips for you guys. So, here we go. Our first clip comes from Dayton's very own YouTube channel. Recorded over six years ago, and without his family's knowledge, this is a fantastic introduction to the mind of Earl. Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Dayton records his family surreptitiously until he determines the time to tell them they're being recorded in an attempt to blackmail them into getting his way. Welcome to the studio, our friend Earl. Going crazy, not going crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. He's where they're cheering these misogynist douchebags. He beats me repeatedly. He threatens the family. He behaves violently. Here I am. He's um. He beats me repeatedly. I have psoriasis all over my body, which is going to kill me through stress from being around him. He's homophobic and genderphobic, queerphobic in general. I came out as transgender uh, five years ago. Three, year, three and a half years ago, he moved home. So it was shortly after. And he started beating me in front of my parents. My sister lives in a house across the street. 
and does nothing about it. And she comes over to this house and is on really good terms with him. And she's on bad terms with me. She blocked me on Facebook for posting on Facebook while I was having a panic attack and there were ugly words to her. I didn't tag her in the post. Not that I remember. I just posted my panic attack while I was having very fast heart rate from psoriasis all over my body itching and burning it feels like fire ants crawling over my body from the stress while he's going nuts and he's down there right now doing a heavyweight champion of the world the guy is insane he's unstable he's enabled by the entire family none of them support any of my issues they don't believe that I'm physically disabled psoriasis it's a physical disability I mean, right now they're just cheering him on down there. I've had to live around this for three and a half years since he moved home. It was bad enough from my parents. My parents emotionally abused me f uh, for a decade because I've had, I've had psoriasis since I was 17, which I got it from them. Genetically, I got it from my mom. But then when I had it, she started going from pretty verbally abusive toward me my whole life to being really verbally abusive toward me the whole time for the past decade more than that now in the past three and a half years he's been beating me and shouting at them and they don't shout at him well they do when he's shouting at them but they enable him and they're very just passive aggressive uh, they're passive about everything they get passive aggressive towards him but they're mostly passive towards him and they're very aggressive towards me my dad is passive aggressive toward me my mom is very aggressive toward me because she doesn't like gay people she doesn't like queer people she doesn't like transgender she doesn't believe transgender is a thing uh you bring up hermaphrodites to her and she's just like well it's a, it's just a mistake of god or something like that i don't know what her rationality is it's just she doesn't like the subject she thinks it's an uncomfortable thing and it's a shame for them to have to be that way in her eyes and a lot of my older brother's attitudes is a lot of his attitudes definitely seem to be coming from her bigotry my dad is just an outright enabler he's just enabling everything they're all pitiful to me because i've almost died in these last three and a half years i've almost physically died from psoriasis combined with his like my older brother's insane behavior insane violent behavior he's over twice my size i mean they're just down there cheering right now it's awful when I give you an introduction, I give you an introduction. As a matter of fact, this is just so fucking bad and so telling that this could potentially be the introduction to this character, the narrative arc, and actually the ending to this whole episode. As a matter of fact, this is it, guys. Goodbye. Matter of fact, this is it, guys. Goodbye. Wow! Way to throw me under the bus, Michael. And I, th I thought we were friends, okay? So, what's your point? So that people think maybe I don't write my own show notes, so that I don't have any original thoughts. Because, okay, I don't have any original thoughts, but that's really besides the point. That was just my attempt at a little bit of levity before we get dark. Real dark. So what did we hear in that three plus minute clip? Let's discuss this. 
we heard a litany of negative, repetitive buzzwords that he's using to demonize not only his brother, but his whole family. We heard victimhood. We heard blame shifting. And my personal favorite, Dayton having trouble remembering his lies. And that is such a huge tell the trouble remembering the lies. And it seems to be a huge problem with narcissists, that inability to remember their stories. So unless they're super smart or they have the wherewithal to create either a physical or a virtual whiteboard to remember their lies, they are always going to fumble. And I personally love that weakness in them. So the origin of Earl Dayton Hypernova goes back about seven years or so, and his channel starts out innocuously enough with him just filming various music shows. Now, I didn't watch these because I have very little interest in bad music and even less in bad music videos. I did start watching, however, when he's taping his brother, quote, raging and in those are all in the titles and I and I again highly recommend that you go to the links in the description of this podcast and check all this shit out and real quick before we jump to the next clip I just wanted to say as a person who suffered with psoriasis on my arms and a little bit on my upper chest for a couple years I'm I am sympathetic to the embarrassment that one feels because of it the hit your self-esteem takes because of it and the physical pain that can accompany it I am not a monster I mean I I am a monster but you know what I mean I'm a, I'm a soft monster I'm like a sully um but you have to be proactive when you have psoriasis Mine, luckily enough, cleared up with a cream prescribed to me by a doctor paid for by my insurance company. And I'm saying this really all for Earl's benefit and not yours. But never once did I say it was a disability and it prevented me from doing things. Okay, because you just have to get on with it. But Earl will never give up that crutch. No matter what happens, we've heard his excuses for not leaving his house and moving out from his parents, psoriasis being one of them. And it's ridiculous and absurd and it's insulting. But it does give me a good opportunity for me to give you my spot on impression of Cindy Lauper, who is a fellow psoriasis sufferer. And as you can see, she didn't put her career on hold because of it. And now she's five years clear. Anyway, on to the next clip. That's all psoriasis on my floor, by the way. That's all skin. That's dead skin. This is psoriasis. That's all psoriasis. That's skin. That I develop at such this dead skin cells that turn to ash turns to ash and crumbles off my skin, off my body. That's psoriasis. That's everywhere in this room because I can't 
I don't have the patience to clean up all this stuff all the time. And it's been doing this since I was 17. This is psoriasis all over my, all over my floor. Uh, I mean, this is terrible. I felt shame to talk about it for years, and it's crazy. It was bad enough just living with my parents, but when my older brother moved home, he started physically assaulting me. He shoved a rifle in my face one time, and then he just stopped talking to me altogether. I don't know why the man has so many emotional issues. I don't understand the man. He's got serious alpha male problems. I mean, look how skinny I am. His arm is like at least twice my size. It's ridiculous. It's a terrible person. freaking tired of these assholes being so terrible for it. Me and my family have to get away from these assholes. No one in Dayton's looking out for me. This whole town. I'm tired of it, man. Whoever's even watching this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Just too many Republicans in Ohio having it out of this stupid state. Oh, sweetie. Ohio doesn't want you in Ohio, so please fucking move. Like, you're embarrassing Dayton, and Dayton doesn't need another Dayton to embarrass it, okay? Now, I know you can't see this clip in this podcast, duh, but in it, Earl is showing us just how disgusting his room is and how disgusting he is, as if it's perfectly normal to be a disgusting fucking human being videotape it and put it on the fucking internet and he's ranting about the psoriasis and then by proxy all of ohio now i personally take no responsibility for earl's psoriasis my private voting record no matter what it is doesn't cause psoriasis in a goddamn soul i also take no responsibility for earl's psychosis that's on you, babe. And I think I can confidently speak for the whole of Ohio when I say, get the fuck out. Just leave, okay? I'm sure you've heard that many, many, many times in your life, Earl. Just get the fuck out. You're not welcome, okay? We don't want you. Go find some fucking crazy-ass city out west that will embrace you with open arms. And you can maybe, I don't know, get disability because you're a fucking fucktard. So, bye. Bye. Ohio doesn't want you. Bye-bye. You can go. Okay? The, The border, like, those are just dotted lines on a map. There's no real impediment to you fucking leaving the state, okay? This isn't a Chinese 10-minute fucking city where you have to get scanned and show your paperwork and go through metal fucking fencing and armed guards and shit. Just pack your crap and get the fuck out. (sighs) Sometimes you just have to go... On a little bit of a fucking rant when it comes to people like this. Because crazy people will make you go crazy. That's a fact. Now, our next 
clip is going to show us a lot of who Earl is. And who he is is a giant pussy. He's hiding at the top of the steps, whispering into his phone about what a piece of shit his brother is. But that wasn't good enough because he also felt the need to just throw his sister right under the bus. And what makes it all the more psychotic is him uploading this shit to YouTube for the whole fucking world to see. What my favorite part about all of it is, is that it's Earl's attempt to show what a victim he is, how terrible his life is, how hard he fucking has it, what a nightmare it is. And nearly every single fucking clip, and I'm not joking, okay? Nearly every single fucking one shows us what an absolute piece of shit he is. Let's take a listen. that as often as I've listened to Earl once on my own morbid curiosity and then the numerous times in order to make this episode that I would be used to his particular psychopathy but every time I hear him I experience shock and fucking rage it's really one of the many reasons why I'm not a practicing psychotherapist because I'd be sort of like a 
even worse Dr. Phil. You know, like, I just, I don't fucking handle bullshit well. I sort of lack that empathy. I save it for other things that are actually worth my empathy for. So, whatever. Take that as you will. So this next insight I'm going to share with you, it starts off, innocently enough, in a mid-range restaurant chain. And it's seriously just this Midwestern family having this innocuous political conversation. Those fucking scumbags. And Earl cannot help himself. He's pissed he's not getting any attention. And he is compelled to make it about himself. And if you have ever dealt with a narcissist, you will recognize this scene as they have to make everything about themselves. They will shit all over any event, no matter how big or small, a fucking dinner party, a birthday party, a fucking funeral, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, As long as the focus is not on them, there's a problem. So here's some things to pay attention to. I want you to pay attention to the very beginning where Earl is saying, this man, this man, and he's trying to antagonize his brother, whose name is Sherman, inside the fucking restaurant. Listen for the degrading language Uh, repetition. Listen for the threats. You're in deep shit. Who starts screaming first? Listen to the rationalization to his own negative reactions. He says, I've reacted to mom reacting to me. I mean, what the fuck? Listen to the use of buzzwords. He's trying to start shit in the parking lot, okay? He literally says, I'm glad I humiliate you in public, to which his brother says, you always do. Make sure you listen to his family very carefully. You can just tell that they are the ones that are telling the truth. Try and listen to Earl's screaming, that immediate aggression that he has. I mean, it is fucking instantaneous. You just live in your own world, Earl. That's said very quietly. And then you can listen to Earl just freaking the fuck out. Listen to him threaten his father with emotional blackmail. And his father says, not a fucking word. And when you get to that part, think to yourself, what does that say? And the last minute is really incredibly insightful. And it comes from his brother, Sherman. And I just want to say before I press play on the clip, again, this can be triggering. Okay, so just... Take a volume and let's get into it. Yeah. 
but that um, Houston, he's running, and um, Houston, Mary Taylor, she's the one lieutenant governor right now, she's running, um, let me think, oh, there's a whole, oh, Mike DeWine, yeah, I think, I think he's, the head, he, he's, he's the in a different party, though, uh, he's, he's a Republican, the rest of them are all Democrats. He's completely unstable. He's talking about all these neighbors who are so dangerous. He beats someone in his own house that you just let him live in. You know? Get a life. It's gonna go somewhere, Mom. I'm glad I humiliated you in public. 
you always do. You invite I'm me. always in public with you. Every time I have to pull you off a mom when you verbally attack her. I've never done any of these mom. things you have. You have had to stop you. I've had to pull you off a mom. How many times? I've never done you know, these things. I've never laid you. my hands on mom in my entire life. How many times you told dad Sherman, you I've never him? done that. Dad doesn't want to touch Sherman, me. Sherman, no one's going to believe you because you're an idiot and an asshole. You have a large fist that run into me. No, he just said that I've beaten you, Mom. Have I beaten you? Well, you get in my face. I've never, oh my God, I've never done what he just said. I have never done what he just said. You tell him he cut you off yelling at you. Okay, I have reacted to Mom reacting at me. That is the most I've ever done. I've never done any of these things that you are, uh, I mean, the two two of the three times that you have beaten me, two of the three times you have beaten me. Oh my God, I did this and you're going to act like uh, this is a symptom of something before. No, Sherman, you are three times by yourself. This is came out of your room and violently beat me. Oh my god, I'm so glad I had this on video. The police showed up and you lied to him. What did I say, Sherman? What did I say? Addy came over and said, Oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore because you're so violent. Addy didn't even show up. Addy was over there across the street with her husband. Addy did not be. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mom. Sure, why don't you go in with me? I'm hurt. To get you away from him. You know, this crazy person that's less than half his size, me, I'm so violent. No, you beat me. It's a problem. It's a problem. You hit me in the eyes every I've never touched you in my life. No, I am. They are witnesses, you idiot. question one question only did earl run out of his room yes. in a violent rage yes. and attack me and punch yes. me in the face and i've done that. that i've done that and i've punched sherman police wait i ran out of my room and punched sherman and he had to call the police over and this you called to break them, wait i called the police because i punched you in the face you just yes. said that you called the police that doesn't make any sense you sherman you, you were going back. crazy at your parents oh, these two people oh, you I went out yeah, there to stop the arguing. I got beat down by you, no, and I called the cops. One person got hurt. I did. No, I went to the hospital. You didn't get hurt. You got your ego. You got your ego crushed. me. You did not get kicked by me. I got beat down by you and Dad both. Both of you had your fists and bodies on me, one or the other. Dad was crushing me, and you were beating me. And I called the police after this, after my foot was badly injured. And you have the audacity right now to say that I had anything to do with the violence upon me. No, sir. We just no, asked the witness to it. And no, sir. That you're no, a liar. sir. I'm looking in your eye right now and telling you I haven't touched your eye okay. even once. Okay, Earl. But you have beaten me. I have been I've been in the house. I touched you, Earl. You never touched me. I've never touched you. You're a liar. You're a liar, and okay, I have Earl. you on video.
And we have you on video. Doing what? Yes. I want to see you. I hate you. I hate my dad. I hate my mom. You. Everybody doesn't do what I say. Just exactly what he's saying is what he means, Dad. That that's what he's saying about himself. That he hates his mom and he hates his dad and he hates his family. And that's why he comes over. He moves into the house the same week that Addy gets married and starts beating his transgender sister. That's what happened. The what? entire time. I am transgender, Sherman. No, you're not. You're a boy. You're a boy who has mental illness. Oh, I'm glad I got video footage of this. This person, he says, has a mental illness. I have a mental illness while he's beating me. He beats me and calls me oh, a person with a mental show illness. Show us the evidence. If you... Tony, show, show us, us the evidence. That's Sherman's uh, name right there. That's his name. Sherman, uh, the problem with me is that I get beat by a man over twice my size. And so, nobody in the house so does anything wait, about wait. this. What is it? Let's reason about somebody. this one. I've never beat a Exactly. Person. So you're a habitual liar. No, well, Sherman. All you do you is are a gaslighting narcissist. Do you understand? You are a gaslighting you narcissist. Your father? I've never attacked you, Dad. I've never attacked you in my life. And if you can't have the audacity right now to turn to this camera and say that's true, then I don't respect you. You, you either say the truth or I don't people. respect you. you just if you don't it. say anything, that's fine. But I'm just telling you the truth. I don't respect you if you don't turn around right now and say that's never happened. If you don't do that right now, I'm telling you the truth. I don't respect a person that can't have the. You have to have a little bravery in you, Dad, because this is cowardice. Hello, Dad. Oh, oh, he's just gonna—he's just gonna be a coward then. That's what the whole family is, though. I mean, I get beat down. So. When you call people cowards, oh. you mentally bully people. When you when you like mentally people, bully, I like how you look at me like with that, that squint in your eye. Like, I mean, I just like to think about how crazy an asshole Sherman Schultz is because he beats me, and I hope someone on that phone right now hears me. You beat me, Sherman. You beat me. Oh, Earl, you beat me. No, oh, I'm um, so you, the the boxer. You're the boxer. Who's yeah, no? You're not honest, Sherman. No, that's the problem. Is that you're not honest, and you don't change your tone to suddenly be honest. When mom and dad are gone, you're gonna be homeless. I will live there, you idiot. If I even survive that house after the fourth time you beat me, I don't want to hear a word about this. You will never. But you understand that nobody likes you. No one likes Sherman. Because all you do is lie and. Do you remember when the people that you moved out and moved in with kicked you out because they said that you were psychotic and they wanted nothing to do with you? They threw all of your shit out in the yard? Sherman, what happened to you in you. California? What happened to you in California? What happened to Sherman in California? Oh, Sherman, he brought mind. this big black car that with him, this big uh, Yukon. It's a Yukon. He brings it home, and within a month of him being home, it doesn't work anymore. I took Jack to cancer treatment for a year in that car. I kept that car because Jack had cancer. You know what? That help. car stopped Don't working the stuff. No, it didn't. Something yeah, you don't it didn't have. Work it. Anymore. It I didn't, didn't work anymore. It didn't work anymore. I got evidence. I took him up to Ohio State to cure his cancer. What does the car have to do with it? I what? had to take him in his car because he broke his hip. His car. I stayed in a his bus. car. His I, car. My car, Earl. What? Your my car? car. Your... I drove him up in my car. You would know. I would know. I don't care. Oh, I don't care. No. I only care about no, don't give a shit. shit about Dale. Oh, yeah. You, you watched him die. I can't they wait. They said, Earl, come over and help us. I don't care about anybody has cancer. Spit on him. That's what you do, Earl. You destroy everything around you. God. This man is a gaslighting narcissist, and I don't want to live in the same fucking house as him. He beats me. Pull out. I will, and I'm not...
I think I speak for all of us when I say holy fucking shit. And I hope that you heard Sherman's very profound statement where he says, you destroy everything around you because that is exactly what narcissists do. They destroy everything around them for fun. And they will feed off of your energy like the emotional vampires that they are. And they will leave you a shell of a human being if you let them. And that is part of the reason for this fucked up episode. It's like a fucked up PSA. Uh, Scaring is caring. Because if you have escaped a situation like this, know that you made the right decision for you and your life. And if you're in the middle of it, maybe you'll hear things and they'll hit home and you'll know you're not alone and you'll know that you can get the fuck out of it and do that. And soon, if you're in it, get the fuck out. Save yourself. You are worth it. I fucking promise you. You're worth it. So we're about 40 minutes in. And before we take a quick break, I want to read to you some of the comments that are under this five-year-old video. And I do want to update you that in the interim of this video being recorded and today, dear Sherman, Earl's older brother, has passed away. He actually passed away like a year or so ago. But I just, I figure a lot of you probably are not familiar with Earl and you probably didn't know that. And I need to give you the context when I say like, I love the brother, I'm sorry he's gone. But I'm reading these to you to show you that I'm not just being a mean girl, okay? I'm not just a fucking dick. I'm so much more than that. And that this is real, okay? This is like real fucking trauma that this family has experienced and is currently experiencing. To wit, I feel so bad for his family. The no one will believe you hits hard. On the bright side, Sherman doesn't have to deal with you anymore. I'd want to die if I lived with you, Earl. It seems obvious to any outsider, Earl is sick and needs help. Rest in peace, Sherman. Earl can't hurt you no more. You are the one causing the problem. Can't you see that? You started this. You did. You are the trouble in this family. Move out. Get a life of your own. Rest in peace, Sherm. Sorry your last years had to be spent with this for a sibling. I love how he made this video to call out his brother and the whole family admits that Earl beats his mother. Your family is really calm. You are the one freaking out. I'm new to this locale, but I'm truly sorry to know that Sherman passed away. I can't even imagine living with that psycho. And there's more and more and more, but you know, you, you get the gist of why I want to read this. And I think that now might actually be a good time to take a quick break and try and lower our cortisol levels again because it gets worse. I know you can't believe it, but it does. It gets fucking worse. So do what you gotta do. You know, crack open a cold one, smoke a bowl, 
smoke some crack, eat a Xanax, whatever. I'll be back in two and two. I'm just kidding. It's it's really only like a minute long. Ah, here we go, babies. Oh my God, that was a Diet Pepsi, you guys. It's fucking 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay, get a grub. I want to read to you some of the titles of the videos that he has uploaded to his YouTube channel. And this is for the world to see and judge. And bear in mind, they are being recorded without their knowledge. That these recordings and their titles are intended to provide maximum damage to them and to justify his perceived victimhood. Imagine what could happen to his fucking family if people didn't know the context or who Earl is. Because make no mistake, his intent is to hurt and destroy his family. I also think it's super fucking important to point out that on Earl's own YouTube page or in any of the videos that I have seen, have I ever, ever seen one mark on his body from his brother or his father or his mother? Not a fucking mark. And that is incredibly important because his mantra is, he beats me in this house. Not a fucking mark on his body. And you would think that somebody that's so diligent about recording his family would have that shit somewhere. But we've seen not a fucking thing. So here are some of the titles. Insane bullshit. Brother shouting at me in restaurant. Now that was the Outback one. And as you can see, he didn't shout at him in the restaurant at all. My sister brings her one-year-old child around the transphobic ogre who beats me. Do not watch this one, okay? It's like fucking disgusting. That's all psoriasis, Ash, after years beat down by a transphobe in my home. And if you fucking see, it's so goddamn gag-worthy, I swear to fucking God. Sister and her husband with my brother, who beats me, they know he does. Then there's compilation videos. My abusive older brother and his dog, he beats me and is twice my size. Life as a psoriasis and bigotry trauma survivor. And then this is a wonderful one. This is one that he has titled, My Transphobic Bigot Mom Talking Down to Me. And it's less than two minutes long, so let's take a listen and see if we can hear all that transphobic bigotry. I plan on wearing a dress, probably to impress the press. But I don't you know, What you wear is up to you. If you want to look weird, you can look weird. I'm just saying, do you know what you're going to do to New Year's Eve? I'm thinking about going to President Kraft's house. Uh, who's? Preston. So, what time do you plan on going? I have to get ready. Huh? I have to get ready. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's our anniversary. 
And, you know, for New Year's Eve, we'd like to be able to go somewhere and do something. So that's why I need to know what your plans are so that we can do something as well as get you wherever you're going to go. Okay. So if you could find out, I assume you know where, where you're going, the address. Yeah. So if you can find out that. Now, some of you bleeding hearts might say, Oh, but she said if you want to look weird, you can look weird. Well, that's not transphobia. Earl is literally on New Year's Eve wearing a gray zip-up like ski sweater over top of a summer white floral dress and white tights or white leggings or white long johns or some shit like that. And we ladies all know no white after Labor Day. It wasn't even winter white, okay? It was like virginal white, like porcelain white, veneer white. Saying that something looks weird when it looks weird is not transphobia. It's having functional fucking eyeballs that can see an objectively bad outfit. It wasn't even like where you mix prints and it somehow works. It doesn't fucking work. It looks bad. It's tacky, tasteless, ugly, weird. I also think it's important for me to say right now that I don't believe that Earl is transgender. I actually don't believe that Earl believes that he's transgender. I don't think for a split second that Earl thinks that he was a woman born into the wrong body. I feel fairly confident in saying that this is a straight up manipulation tool used to increase his victimhood because in addition to all the other mental problems that Earl has. He also has TIV. That is the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. And let's get into that and talk about that for just a second, shall we? 
Let's get into TIV, or the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know I occasionally like to talk about individuals who suffer with TIV so that we can better recognize it in other people. Many social commentators have argued that in an emerging victimhood culture incentivizes people to see themselves as weak, traumatized, and aggrieved. In higher education, this has been associated with increased demands for specific accommodations like trigger warnings, like the one in the beginning of this episode, which don't work, and the policing of microaggressions, which is ill-conceived. But what if this is not merely a trend, but an entire personality type? A new paper in the scientific journal Personality and Individual Differences posits a tendency for interpersonal victimhood, TIV, an archetype defined by several truly toxic traits, a pathological need for recognition, a difficulty empathizing with others, feelings of moral superiority, and importantly, a thirst for vengeance. The findings suggest that victimhood is a stable and meaningful personality tendency, write these studies authors, a quartet of scholars associated with Tel Aviv University, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and the University of Pennsylvania. The researchers solicited several hundred participants for a series of psychological experiments that tested their assumptions. As such, the results should be taken with a grain of salt. Social psychology research suffers from notoriously thorny replication issues, since these kinds of experiments are not always great substitutes for this sort of thing being studied. In one of the paper's experiments, for instance, a computer split a pot of money between itself and a human participant. This person was led to believe the computer was also a human participant. Sometimes the pot was split unevenly, and the human participant was given a chance to take vengeance by reducing the computer's pot without enriching his or her own. Researchers discovered that participants classified as having higher TIV scores were strongly associated with behavioral revenge in this scenario. TIV was also associated with an increased experience of negative emotions and entitlement to immoral behavior. The study distinguishes TIV from narcissism. Narcissistic individuals also experience moral superiority and vengeful desires, but these feelings tend to spring from the belief that their authority, capability, or grandiosity is being undermined. TIV, on the other hand, is associated with low self-esteem, and while narcissists do not want to be victimized, high TIV individuals lash out when their victimhood is questioned. The self-presentation of high TIV individuals is that of a weak victim who has been hurt and is therefore in need of protection, write the authors. Threats to high TIV individuals are related to anything that can undermine their self-image of moral superiority or elicit doubts from their environment as to whether the offense occurred, the intensity of the offense, or their exclusivity as victims. 
Writing in Scientific American, psychologist Scott Barry Kaufman notes that the researchers do not equate experiencing trauma and victimization with possessing the victimhood mindset. They point out that a victimhood mindset can develop without experiencing severe trauma or victimization. Kaufman continues, if socialization processes can instill in individuals a victimhood mindset, then surely the very same processes can instill in people a personal growth mindset. What if we all learned at a young age that our traumas don't have to define us, that it's possible to have experienced a trauma and for victimhood to not form the core of our identity? that it's even possible to grow from trauma, to become a better person, to use the experiences we've had in our lives toward working to instill hope and possibility to others who were in a similar situation. What if we all learned that it's possible to have healthy pride for an in-group without having out-group hate? that if you expect kindness from others, it pays to be kind yourself, that no one is entitled to anything, but we are all worthy of being treated as human. Encouraging people not to be defined by their traumas, real or imagined, seems like solid advice. But when the traumatized person resents challenges to his victimhood status and wants to punish those who want to take it away from him, getting that advice across might just be a challenge. And I want to just hit one more article. And as always, I'll provide the links. The aforementioned scholars describe this personality construct as an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, which is generalized across many kinds of relationships. The team tested the validity of TIV by exploring its behavioral, cognitive, and emotional consequences. The initial results reveal that TIV is a consistent and stable trait with four dimensions, the moral elitism, the need for recognition, rumination, and lack of empathy. After a subsequent study, they found that TIV is linked to anxious attachment characterized by an insecure feeling in one's relationship. That means that this personality construct is rooted in one's relationship with their caregivers. Two or more studies were conducted in which one found out that those who scored high in the TIV were more likely to desire revenge against the person who wronged them. Overall, those high in TIV reported experiencing more intense negative feelings with a higher sense of entitlement in immoral behavior. The higher participants' TIV, the more they experienced negative emotions and felt entitled to behave immorally. However, only the experience of negative emotions predicted behavioral revenge, according to its authors. According to Scientific American, TIV persons display four victimhood mindset. One, having a more elitism wherein they perceive themselves as immaculate morality while viewing everyone else as immoral. This often develops as a defense mechanism to maintain positive self-image. 
The second one is the need for recognition of one's victimhood. It is a normal response after a traumatic event to help reestablish the person's confidence in their perception of the world as a fair and just place to live, which has shattered after the traumatic event. The validation of their suffering or trauma is an important aspect of therapy. The third one is the rumination of past victimization. People high in TIV would ruminate and talk about past interpersonal conflicts instead of discussing solutions. Research suggests that rumination decreases a person's motivation to forgive and increases the drive to seek revenge. Lastly, the lack of empathy also describes a person high in TIV because they are so preoccupied with their victimhood that they fail to see and acknowledge other people's pain and sufferings. They feel that their immoral behaviors are justified after they suffer or be reminded of the traumatic event they went through, and so they become oblivious of others' pain. So while most people tend to overcome socially ambiguous situations with relative ease, regulating their emotions and acknowledging that social ambiguity is an unavoidable part of life, those people who have a perpetual victimhood mindset tend to have an external locus of control. They believe that their life is entirely under the control of forces outside oneself, such as fate, luck, or the mercy of other people. It's important to point out that the researchers do not equate experiencing trauma and victimization with possessing the victimhood mindset. They point out that the victimhood mindset can develop without experiencing severe trauma or victimization. Nevertheless, the victimhood mindset and victimization do share certain psychological processes and consequences. Also, while the four characteristics of the victimhood mindset they identified and conducted was at the individual level and don't necessarily apply to the level of groups, a literature review suggests that there are some striking parallels to the collective level, which I'll point out below. So with these caveats out of the way, let's go a bit deeper into the main characteristics of that perpetual victimhood mindset. Constantly seeking recognition of one's victimhood. Those who score high on this dimension have a perpetual need to have their suffering acknowledged. In general, it's a normal psychological response to trauma. But recognition of one's victimhood is a normal response to trauma, and it can help reestablish a person's confidence in their perception of the world as a fair and just place to live. Also, it's totally normal for victims to want their perpetrators to take responsibility for their wrongdoings and to express feelings of guilt. A sense of moral elitism. Those who score high on this dimension perceive themselves as having the immaculate morality and everyone else is immoral. Moral elitism can be used to control others by accusing them of being immoral, unfair, or selfish while seeing oneself as supremely moral and ethical. Moral elitism also develops as a defense mechanism against deeply painful emotions and as a way to maintain that positive self-image. 
As a result, those under distress tend to deny their own aggressiveness and destructive impulses and project that onto others. The other is perceived as a threatening person, whereas the self is perceived as persecuted, vulnerable, and morally superior. While splitting the world into those who are saints versus those who are pure evil may protect oneself from pain and damage to their self-image, it ultimately stunts growth and development and ignores the ability to see the self in the world in all of its complexities. Lack of empathy for the pain and suffering of others. So the people that scored high on this dimension are so preoccupied with their own victimhood that they are just oblivious, as we said before, to the pain and suffering of others. Research shows that people who have been wronged or who are reminded of a time when they were wrong feel entitled to behave aggressively and selfishly. Emily Zitnick and her colleagues suggest that such individuals may feel as though they have suffered enough so they no longer feel obligated to care about the pain and suffering of others. As a result, they pass up opportunities to help those perceived to be in their outgroup or hate group. At the group level, research suggests that an increased attention to an in-group's victimization reduces empathy towards the adversary as well as toward unrelated adversaries. Even just the priming of victimhood has been shown to increase ongoing conflicts, with the priming leading to reduced levels of empathy toward the adversary and people being more willing to accept less collective guilt for current harm. In fact, research on competitive victimhood shows that members of groups involved in violent conflicts tend to see their victimization as exclusive and are prone to minimize, belittle, or outright deny their adversary's suffering and pain. A group that is completely preoccupied with its own suffering can develop what psychologists refer to as an egoism of victimhood, whereby members are unable to see things from the perspective of the rival group's perspective, are unable or unwilling to empathize with the suffering of the rival group, and are unwilling to accept any responsibility for harm inflicted by their own group. Frequently ruminating about past victimization. Those scoring high on this dimension constantly ruminate and talk about their interpersonal offenses and their causes and consequences rather than think about or discuss possible solutions. This may consist of expected future offenses of past offenses. Research shows that victims tend to ruminate over their interpersonal offenses and that such rumination decreases the motivation for forgiveness by increasing the drive to at the group level of analysis, victimized groups tend to frequently ruminate over their traumatic events. For instance, the widespread existence of Holocaust material in Jewish-Israeli school curricula, cultural products, and political discourse has increased over the years. Although modern-day Jewish Israelis are generally not direct victims of the Holocaust, Israelis are increasingly preoccupied with the Holocaust, dwelling on it and fearing that it could happen again. In an interpersonal conflict, all parties are motivated to maintain a positive moral self-image. As a result, the different parties are likely to create two very different subjective realities. 
Offenders tend to downplay the severity of their transgression, while victims tend to perceive the offender's motivations as arbitrary, senseless, immoral, and more severe. Therefore, the mindset one develops as a victim or as a perpetrator has a fundamental effect on the way a situation is perceived and remembered. The researchers identified three main cognitive biases that characterize the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. Interpretation, attribution, and memory biases. All three of these biases contribute to a lack of willingness to forgive others for their perceived transgressions. Now, before we continue, let's take a quick quiz to see if you are one of these assholes. So, rate how much you agree with each of these items on a scale of one, not me at all, to five, this is so me. It is important to me that people who hurt me acknowledge that an injustice has been done to me. I think I am more conscientious and moral in my relations with other people compared to their treatment of me. When people who are close to me feel hurt by my actions, it is very important for me to clarify that justice is on my side. It is very hard for me to stop thinking about the injustice others have done to me. If you scored high, four or five on all of these items, you may have what psychologists have identified as a tendency for interpersonal victimhood, or what I so lovingly refer to as the perpetual asshole. Speaking of perpetual assholes, let's get back to Earl and put the proverbial cherry on top of this TIV Sunday and listen to him compare himself to Jesus. Did you hear what he just said? You should learn because you are 78 years old. No one! No, I'm not! God! The fucking Christ Jesus has crucified a three-three and a peach out! Do you see the fucking parallels? I mean, that's, that's fine. That's, it's fine, okay? It's, it's totally normal. It's, everybody does that. Who doesn't compare themselves to Jesus? I mean, three or four times a day, I find myself saying, I'm like Jesus. Don't you? I mean, shit, it's so calm. You know what? It reminds me of this. Being nailed to the cross like Jesus was, and he did nothing wrong. He's Jesus Christ, and he did nothing wrong. He was nailed to the cross. That's how I feel. Are you there, guys? It's me, Margo. (laughs) Just kidding. But Are you still with me? I mean, we're almost done. We're getting there. We're so close. And I know that you can do this. I know that you can power through this shit. We have a few more clips to get through. Some are fucking dark. And I know you're like, what? What? Are you fucking telling me that the ones that we've already heard aren't dark? Oh, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. They're dark. 
They're very dark. But we can get darker. We can get Vanta Black. You have to go through the dark before you get to the light. So you remember how I said I would go to Kiwi Farm so you don't have to? Well, I did. And when I got there, I shit myself because it's 45 pages of notes on Earl. And I did grab a couple screenshots. Oh, and let me interject. I wanted to finish this podcast like a day or two ago, but on this site was a link to a three-hour documentary on Earl from a place called Horror Cow Productions. So, of course, I had to watch that. And then I had to recuperate from watching it. And I did grab a quick clip from it to sort of bolster the validity of my theory and also any other person's theory who has a functioning brain on Earl and his situation. Um, But before we get to that, let's take a listen to Earl going real introspective on himself, um, which narcs are so clearly capable of, of doing. I will play the part of Earl and then I'll play the clip. I don't think of lots of character traits in myself that are really toxic, but I do think about it and I am kind of boring for what anyone would think. I don't even do drugs. Yeah, okay. Maybe I am a lot like Alice Cooper. He's only ever been into beer and wine like me. And I enjoy really bad old movies for the amusement of watching old, boring movies. I think someone would leave me sooner for that than for not wanting total monogamy or for occasionally smoking a cigarette or two if that's not their thing. I'm watching an old sci-fi B-movie called Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet about astronauts going to Venus and fighting dinosaurs, LOL. It sounds like a bizarro version of the plotline for my Venus Vixens alien freak Barbie dolls on dinosaurs if I ever make a cartoon or robot chicken style show for them. Yet that sounds like a bizarro version of your alien freak Barbie dolls on dinosaurs show. And who's them, Earl? Who who the fuck is them? Anyway, here, let's take a listen at somebody else's perspective on this situation. He's an asshole who beats me and my family allows to live in this house. Fuck them. Fuck all of them. I don't care. I have psoriasis all over my body. Fuck you. You're all assholes toward me. While I have psoriasis all over my body. You're all assholes killing me through stress. To hide from him because he'll beat me if he sees this. Earl seems to be convinced he has been or is still being beaten by his older brother Sherman, or occasionally his father. There is no evidence to confirm any of this on the Dayton Hypernova YouTube channel. No videos of beatings, no videos of bruises. Only accusations of assault, 
none of which appear to be founded in reality. Our next couple of clips are brought to you by the adorable oafs at Revenge of the Sis. So enjoy their charming banter in the background. And part of the reason why I want to share these with you is, yes, for a deeper understanding of our lovable Earl, but also because, well, frankly, I was a little worried about how you were coming along with your bingo card. So grab your stampers and get ready for... Health Burritos! Ole! Now, this is the stuff that really, that he secretly now films these conversations. He hides the phone, now watch. He wants food, that's the ongoing theme here. I eat health food burritos. 
That would be the code word to get into one of those swingers parties you said earlier. Dude, man, I, I don't... Oh, oh, this guy. Oh, fuck. Health food burritos. narcissist he abuses her verbally he does is he also the one that stole her credit card it's like a very disturbing narcissistic relationship between those two and they both harass me he beats me and she harasses me right in front of she harasses me while he's beating me and that's what happened in jail. so while he's hitting you with a stick she's going and another thing she seems right. like that they all seem like they're they all seem so like out, terrible people. people yeah floor in this house and she was going off at me or just being really sarcastic about me being in a dress while he was beating me down and after four years of recording him now there's still not one video of his brother beating him down now again from what i've heard sherman is also a bum you know what he thinks needs to be fixed in society and he's an arrogant snob who beats me and they all love him and they all condescend towards me and rant angrily at me when i talk back at him in their presence they all disagree with me and they all love him and that's awful because i'm getting beat down by that man right in front of him every time that he beats me he's a pig i hate him fuck that guy all of you are transphobic religious bigots snobs haters enablers of violence Conceited people, disrespectful to a trans person who's getting beat down repeatedly over and over again, five years straight in this house, over and over again, while psoriasis is all over my body, bleeding, it's stress bleeds. I'm the only one in the family with this genetic anomaly. It's a genetic condition that you don't understand because you don't have it. I'm going to put you on a freaking gutter about this because this is awful you guys are all terrible to me if you're watching this that's awful of you awful absolutely awful of all of you wait what am i doing i need to turn this camera around I hear you all screaming bingo because i know after that last clip that your card is full so tell them what they've won done I am losing my mind trying to make this episode. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm actively trying to put off sharing this clip because frankly, it's so fucking bad. And by the way, by the by, there's more and they're worse. And I edit them out because I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it to you guys. I mean, I'm like, metaphorically ripping the skin off of my face right now, okay? <laughs> because I just, ooh, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it, and I don't want to do it. I'm doing it. So, the, the reason I'm sharing it is because I think um, Seeing this and recognizing this is super important and 
frankly, I'm, I'm like concerned for this family, okay? Sherman has already passed away, and Earl's dad is like actively dying. And I'm legitimately concerned for his mom and his sister and his brother-in-law because he will find another person to fixate his victimhood onto. Uh, It just... I mean, don't kill the messenger, okay? I didn't upload this shit to share with the world. Earl did. And obviously, there is some cosmic reason for it all and I hope it's something good comes out of it (sighs) so what's the setup for this nightmare well Earl tried to order a pizza and the card didn't processing that credit card. It's saved on their website. It's the, I think it's the Kroger card. The green one? I had to close the card because you were... It has nothing to do with me. You don't have to close the card because of me. I'm a trustworthy human being. I don't beat people and I don't, I don't, I don't even work minimum wage and I'm sufficing on that, mom. It's ignorant of you and disrespectful to a human being. Girl, you have I, a religion around this. Do you have a fucking religion around it. I just want to eat a meal because I eat less than one each day. You don't pay enough money for a person to have three solid meals a day on $100 a week. You live on way more than that. How much money do you spend on a meal? You know in your eyes, I see right now, looking in your eyes with the conviction in my soul that you are lying to yourself right now. You are admitting just slightly that it's accurate, Mom. It's accurate that you are a bitch terrible towards a person who you brought in the world. Well, God gave you this. You were given this. You're you let it, it you're beat the fuck down. You're not death. a baby. This? You're not a baby. Yes, who's a baby? Yes, who's the baby? You're an adult. The man who can only raise you. You're an adult. I am not the childishness of well, I don't know what you are. I, what are you? A human being. I don't know that you are anymore. I don't know what you are. What am I to you, Mom? I, you're, you're, I just want to order a pizza. Go order it. What credit card? I don't know, because I'm not giving you one. You're a bitch. You, you are a deserve to be told it right in your eyes right now. You're a bitch. Whatever. You're a bitch. Should the police You're come back? You're a fucking bitch. Maybe the police should It's just back. a goddamn pizza. You Maybe. get mad because I bought a few dresses online. The police should come back. Mom? Because you have an unstable older son who beats you. You are unstable. There is nothing unstable a person telling you off that it's wrong for me to get beat. And wrong to not pay minimum wage. It's minimum wage. Well, what do you do to earn money? I clean all your shit and no, clothes. No, you don't. Yes, I fucking do, you gaslighting asshole. I did You gaslight people like your mom and dad gaslighted you. Do you see the conviction in this? Your parents did this to you. Your parents were assholes, and then you were an asshole to me. I'm the only one you don't like, and there's no reason to not like me. I'm getting beat by the one that you love because he was so perfect and loved sports. What the fuck is wrong with you? 
You're not going to heaven. Good. You're not going to heaven. Well, where do you think you're going to go? I'm currently in hell, but I'm going to ascend from hell. I, and I wonder why. Why are you in hell? You are the fucking devil of a mother. Look at you, goddamn. Look at me. Look at you. Go on, Who tell me. You? What are you? Who are you? What are you? You're not my Earl. My Earl wouldn't act like this. You never liked that kid. I do. You never liked him since he started having long hair like yours. That's exactly the problem. This is a whole argument is about pizza, Mom. Do you know, you see the problem? It's about me wanting to order a pizza. Well, go order your pizza. I'm you gonna... don't like me. Use your fucking credit card, you I'm idiot. I'm not giving you a card. What is wrong with me We've using your credit card? Did I bankrupt you? We've had to close four cards. I was getting beat by your son in front of you. No, you see, you were not celebrating my birthdays with me, and I live in the same house. No. I invested my income on your credit card. That's what I did. You don't do anything to earn I work. I clean all your clothes. I clean what? your house. What? Why are you in this? What? what do you clean? Oh, my clean. God. I do my own laundry. I had to do my own laundry. You day. occasionally do, but I do it every day, every week. No, you don't. That's why I'm Stop lying to yourself. You know I no, clean your it. shit. I have arthritis in my hands. I lift the baskets that are too heavy for me to lift because they have your fucking clothes and your laundry. There's something wrong with a woman who can't even admit that I work way too much and get paid way too little. Go into the grave down there where you belong. Six feet under where you belong. Terrible. I can't even live on one meal a day because you refuse to pay minimum wage. I hope Dad hears me while he's trying to sleep because this is how loud his older son is when he's shouting at a goddamn football game. All of you should burn it now. Uh, yeah, that was a big English. That was angry. The woman will not do decent things. I'm less than half the size of the man who beats me right in front of her in the same room on my fucking birthday this year. And it happened a year ago, too. I can't afford to move out of here. My body bleeds from psoriasis, from stress. These people are the epitome of hypocrites. I've never met bigger hypocrites than people who won't pay minimum wage or a person who suffers from bleeding from stress. It's genetic. It comes from her sister, and she has no respect for her sister. She doesn't have any respect for me. Oh, this is what it's like. This shit is terrible. That was fucking intense, I know. So as we have seen throughout this whole entire show, Earl has a personality disorder. Several, but I digress. So what is a personality disorder and what are some symptoms of a personality disorder? Well, personality disorders are symptomatic of a psychological disease. An individual with a personality disorder exhibits maladaptive patterns of thought, behavior, cognition, and inner experience. Though there are numerous types of personality disorders, all have some things in common. One shared symptom is distress, either experienced by the individual or inflicting it on those around them. Another mutual aspect of most personality disorder is the capability of impeding everyday functioning and typical modes of existence. 
The first one on the list is eccentric behavior. A common trait of individuals with a personality disorder is their unpredictable behavior. From their mood and temper to their actions and reactions, nothing is constant or typical. They'll be more likely to indulge in impulsive decisions and poorly judged choices, alongside being highly prone to oddities like always walking by a particular lane, eating food in a specific order, and so on. Number two is paranoia. Most personality disorders make people more prone to fear and paranoia. A lot of such individuals will develop the tendency of being overly suspicious of everything, including other people, documents, and chance occurrences. In some cases, they may even begin distrusting their own friends and family. Irrational fears of individual objects and phenomena may also suddenly manifest, primarily if the disorder develops after a challenging life event or traumatic experience. Number three. Self-image changes. In a lot of cases, personality disorders cause individuals to perceive themselves in an altered or disillusioned light. For many individuals, this may entail an increasingly diminishing sense of self and egregious self-loathing. For others, it could provoke arrogance and narcissism. In either case, the change in self-image isn't usually a passing phase, but an enduring shift in their self-regard. Number four, atypical social disposition. With the onset of a personality disorder, one's typical modes of social interaction also tend to change. Introverts may become exceptionally social, excited to meet new people, and desirous of mingling and entertainment. On the flip side, extroverts may experience social withdrawal, with the tendency to avoid social gatherings and people in general becoming very strong. There's a wide range of personality disorder types, and these different forms of personality disorder impact behavior differently for each subgroup. Number five, altered productivity levels. With changes in one's mood, disposition, and behavior taking place, naturally productivity levels also get altered. In most cases, productivity tends to decrease since most symptoms lead to lack of concentration and a highly distracted state of mind. Enhanced impulsivity may further hamper productivity levels. In a few cases, however, restlessness and excess energy may provoke bouts of excessive working, thereby increasing productivity levels. The excess energy may also be an episode of mania. Depression typically follows mania and can be witnessed as violent mood swings. Number six, change in sexual habits. Altered libido and sexual habits are also common symptoms associated with personality disorders. People may experience a loss of libido with nothing and no one having an arousing effect on them. Alternately, they may suddenly become exceptionally sexually proactive, often indulging in irresponsible and excessive sexual activity. Both these tendencies may negatively impact existing personal relationships. Number seven, Self-medication. In a lot of individuals with personality disorders, the urge to indulge in substance abuse is high. Personality disorders cause a lot of anguish for the individual with the disease and to those close to the person. In attempts to escape the negative cycles, the disease causes many people to use alcohol or other drugs to relieve the pain. In some cases, the other symptoms may cause the first tendency, which soon becomes a habit. Other times, substance abuse may be responsible for the onset of the condition. Whatever the cause, such individuals are at high risk of becoming addicts. 
Number eight, suicidal thoughts. Personality disorders may also provoke intense desire of self-harm in individuals, less overtly if they manifest as a tendency to indulge in dangerous activities such as fast driving, biking stunts, promiscuity, and adventurousness in drugs. Some individuals may also take to performing masochistic acts such as cutting themselves. The extreme possibility is, of course, contemplating suicide, which in a lot of cases may transfer into activity. Most people with a personality disorder don't hurt others physically. Violent behavior is possible, but most individuals harm themselves instead of others. Number nine, altered sleeping habits. Sleeping too much or not enough are the byproducts of severe personality disorders. And it's not just insomnia or excessive sleepiness that one may suffer from. Even sleeping patterns may change. One may feel sleepy in the daytime and active at night. Or they may find it hard to sleep in certain circumstances such as foreign surroundings, specific temperatures, and so on. And number 10, physical symptoms. Most personality disorders also produce physiological symptoms in individuals with the disease. In a lot of cases, these have to do with diet and nutrition, including weight gain, weight loss, and associated problems. Aches and pains, fatigue, weak, weakness, and general malaise are also typically present with these conditions. The mental state mostly influences these physical symptoms. As treatment begins, they are likely to ease as well. In rare cases, the physical problems may acquire an independent intensity of their own and cause serious physical health problems. Now, how many of those boxes did our dear friend Earl check off? Ten? I think so. Listen, let's lighten up the mood a little and dance it out. <laughs> oh yeah, there's dope. I put on my favorite dress. In the bathroom I hide psoriasis on my hands and legs. I hear my brother waking up. Time to film him from a shadowy corner of a room. This house. He beats me in this house. This house. He beats me in this. Feeling hungry, need to eat. Oh no, we're out of health burritos. They're my favorite lunch treat. Father offers to order me my very own pizza, but it's not from where I like. This house, he beats me in this house, this house. He beats me in this, this house. He beats me in this house, I'm this house. Fucking human being. He beats me in this. <laughs> Best of luck to you all in getting that banger out of your head because, spoiler alert, you can't. I've had it in mind for days and days now. But, you know, as they say in the biz, A-E-O-A-H-N, always end on a high note. 
And with that, I want to thank you all for sticking it out with me tonight. This was a very difficult episode to do, as witnessed by all my intense bitching throughout the entire thing. But I do think that we shared some real insight on personality disorders, the plague of TIV in our society, and narcissistic abuse. And I promise you all that my next episode will be so light and fluffy. It will be like cotton candy to your ears. Mmm, yum. When I make an introduction, I make a fucking introduction. Really, Doyle? Really? Are you fucking serious with me right now? Where are you going? What are you doing? Why are you stepping all over my crap? <gasps> How dare you? Oh my god, no! Oh lord, the studio is trash. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs>